Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. So we're in 1 Timothy, and uh, we decided we're going to split this up into two messages. Last week you got part one, and if you weren't here, I will gladly remind you of what that is. Um, We talked about wage a good warfare. We talked about 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, and don't worry, we're going to read it again. Just to remind you, it's just three verses, and uh, it's short, but there's a lot in there. We talked all about last week waging a good warfare, and on Wednesday night we had a very good discussion, in my opinion, of what it means to wage a good warfare. Uh, We talked about who is our enemy, and it's not people, it's not necessarily the world, It's Satan. It's our adversary, the devil, who roams to and fro about the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Our attacks should be aimed at him and not people. And we talked about friendly fire. We talked about not tearing one another down. We talked about lifting each other up. And uh, what a gift it is to be involved in this warfare and our companions and fellow soldiers as we fight the devil. And we're not fighting each other. We're not fighting those people out there. We're fighting the devil and evil. And um, what immediately comes to my mind is love the sinner, hate the sin. I would like to carry that a step further and say love the sinner, hate the accuser. Because we're all guilty of sin. We come to each other and we come to those that we come in contact with understanding who we are. Unworthy. I'm unworthy just as much as you are. And a person that I meet down the street, let's just call him a drunk, and we'll, we'll go from there. If I meet a drunk on the street, God loves him just as much as he loves me. Without Christ, such would I be. I could be there. And those of you who know my testimony, I shared it not too long ago, know that I was on a fast track to that. I was not far from that life. Save Christ. He came and he rescued me. He filled me with his spirit and he washed out the dirt. He's still washing out some dirt. Because there's things that I want to hold on to for some stupid reason, as we all do. But my friends, I'm standing here today because there were some people out there that were willing to wage a good warfare against the real enemy. They did not ostracize me. They did not kick me out. They held me close and they taught me how to fight. What a gift that is. What a blessing that is. To be able to call myself a part of the army of God. I'm, I'm reminded about last year, about this time, wasn't it? Gene. Gene was fighting a battle. Next month marks a year that he got honorably discharged from this army. And... uh all his Marine friends got mad at me during the funeral when, when I said, 
Gene Wildman was honorably discharged from the army, and they said, Marines! I said, the army of the Lord. <laughs> and then they calmed down. You do not mix up a Marine and an army veteran. They'll kill over something like that, I, I tell you that. Or oh, hurt you real bad. They may not kill you, but they'll make sure you wish you were. <laughs> anyway, that's a side note. As manner of introduction here for this message that we're talking about today. We're all fighting in this war. And if you're a Christian, you're fighting whether you like it or not. And sometimes that's hard. That's a hard concept to grasp and a hard concept to accept. I'm afraid, my friends, that there are many Christians out there who forget that. We're in a war. Many of us would rather stay in our tents than fight. And there's many soldiers that would rather do the same. But we must fight. Or, or we risk not taking part in that. It is not an honorable discharge when you do not fight the good fight. Paul is encouraging Timothy to fight for the right thing. To be on the right team. Timothy, you better make sure you're on the right team. I'm reminded in that of Keith Green. He is uh, famous for saying, I would rather have a faith that I'm doubting that's true than have the utmost confidence in a false faith that tells me it's okay to question your faith. But let that questioning drive you to God not away from him because it can be easy to get into that mindset of what's the point fight the good fight fight for his presence in your life and wage war with anything that will pull you from his presence there are many things that I don't want to fight because I like it but if it's keeping me away from God, it's my enemy. Now, remember, keep in mind what I just said. Whatever's keeping you away from God is your enemy. You have to look past some people sometimes because sometimes Satan can use people as an instrument so that you attack them instead of him. Keep in mind our real enemy. Don't attack the person. Attack the devil. And the best way to attack the devil, and we're going to talk about that today, is the Word of God, the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit. So let's go ahead and remind ourselves of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. I'll pray, and then we'll get into the message, and I'm trying to hurry. I am in a mood to talk this morning, apparently. So, uh, so pray for me that I'll keep on track, and that we'll, uh, we'll get out of here in a timely manner. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, 
concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, I pray that you would anoint the reading of your word. I pray that you would anoint your messenger. Empty me, Lord, of any selfish ambition, and please, God, speak to these people. Feed your flock, Lord. I don't want any glory. All glory. I want to go to you, Lord. Let nobody come away from this saying, Corbin did a good job. I pray, Lord, that you would be the one that is honored and glorified in all that I do. That I would hide behind the cross. That you would be the king of our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Without fail, when you wage war, things get a little bit harder. We talked about that a little bit last week. When you signed up to be a Christian, you enlisted in the army, the army of God. You enlisted to be a soldier. And there's a lot of teaching going around nowadays that talks about when you get saved or when you become a Christian, things get easier. And that is false. That is not a biblical teaching. Many times things get harder. Because you signed up to oppose the prince and the power of the air, the king of this world. It's hard. But we fight for our reward in heaven. Sometimes we confuse our reward with being heaven. It's not heaven. We read it this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. We receive the reward that is in heaven, which is Christ Jesus. That's our life, our eternity, our purpose. Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Paul tells Timothy to look at his calling from the past to the present. Recall to yourself, Timothy, the prophecies previously made concerning you. My dad probably knows this story better than any of y'all. That I'm about to tell you. There was a man. I went to visit Welch College. The first time I ever went on campus. It was such a weird situation. Because I didn't realize. I don't know why. I was homeschooled. That's why. We didn't really pay much attention to the school year. We just kind of did our thing. We worked through summer. We did all this. I mean we just kept going. You know. I didn't want to stop. We didn't want to stop. So let's just keep on going. We kept going on. And uh, we studied and we read through all the summer and just enjoyed that learning process. And uh, so we didn't really pay much attention to the school year. I remember when people were on summer vacation, I was really mad because I I was like, can I please get off this? And I didn't, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we didn't pay much attention to the school year. 
And I had three donuts this morning, and you can tell. Oh, man. <laughs> Pray for me, guys. <laughs> there were two with chocolate on them, Miss Ruby. <laughs> okay. Well, we went to visit this campus, and there was just something about this campus. This was the one that was on West End Avenue, the one that everybody thinks this church is on. When you mention West End Free Will Baptist, they're like, you're in Nashville? Why are you, why are you living around here if you're preaching in Nashville? I was like, well, have you seen the housing prices in Nashville? Um, anyway. Um, tell my story. We went to the campus, the old campus, walked around in these old buildings with all the heritage that is there. And there was a spirit that was there that I had never felt before in my life. And I grew up in church. I had felt the Spirit of the Lord, but not quite this strong. On that campus, there were people that prayed over the doormats. People that prayed over the handles of the doors. People that prayed over the chairs in the classrooms. On a weekly basis. On a daily basis. Every insignificant thing, the stalls in the bathrooms were prayed over. You could not go anywhere on that campus that hadn't been prayed for. And you could feel it. Immediately. I'm telling you, that sounds crazy. But I felt the Spirit of the Lord in every area of that campus. And we left that campus saying, God... I got to go here. I can't afford it. But I got to go here. We left there in awe. And our favorite place to eat is Steak and Shake. So we decided we were going to stop at Steak and Shake on the way home. That two-hour uh, two drive. It was a two-and-a-half-hour drive at that time. We stopped at Steak and Shake. I think it was in Hermitage of all places to stop at Steak and Shake. We were eating and there was this man that was really creeping me out. He was sitting behind me and just kept looking at me. And so my mother and I decided, we gotta, let's get out of here. <laughs> we're going to pay for the bill and we'll finish eating in the car. We went to walk out the door, and I, I promise there is a point to this. I know you're probably thinking, man, the donuts are talking this morning. But there is a point to this. We get to the door as we're leaving, and he chased me down. He grabbed me by my shoulder, and I was about ready to fight. And he said, the Lord told me to talk to you, and I simmered down real quick. And he said, God has some big plans for you, son. I don't know why I need to tell you this. But God's calling you to do something and you need to do it. 
He said, and that's all the Lord's told me to say. He said several other things, but I can't remember them. I wrote them down, and then my phone, uh, I don't even remember what happened to my phone. I had so many of them that just got destroyed. Because I'm careless. But I had it all written out in my notes, but I, I don't have it now. Anyway, the point is, he spoke that prophecy over my life. And you can call that a prophecy. You can call that a prediction. You can call that whatever you want to call it. The Spirit of God spoke to me that day through a man that was creeping me out. And to this day, that was in 2015. I still remember that man's face. Timothy, remember the prophecies that have been spoken over you. Remember the Spirit of God that spoke into your heart and told you this is what you're supposed to do. Remember. Remember where I told you at that time that God talked to you and He said, you've got great plans over your life. God's going to work through you. He's got something for you. Do you have the endurance to hold on, Timothy? When you start waning on your strength, when you start doubting the Spirit of God, recall in your mind the time where God said, I know the plans that I have for you, son. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. When you face great opposition, Timothy, because believe me, the ministry is opposition. Your ministry is just as opposed as mine, because when you're waging a good warfare, you will face opposition. My friend Timothy, when you are beaten down by the world and the things in this world, remember... God has called you with a purpose. Remember the prophecies that were spoken over you. Remember the prayers that were spoken over you. Sometimes that's hard. But in my life, that's one moment where I continuously go back. And I remember... God said, Corbin, I've got something for you. Just hold on to me. Let me take you there. And in my pursuit of him, he has taken me to places that I never imagined would, I would be. Never once imagined that I would be standing behind a pulpit as the pastor of a church. I went to school to be a youth minister. Did you know that? I thought I would be talking to kids. And, and, the, and the majority of the people in this room are older than me. Not so much. Maybe not mentally. We're talking about actually. No. Remember what you were called to. 
When you enlisted in the army of God, my friend, if you haven't, by all means, I want to, I would love to take you by the hand and show you how. When you enlisted in the army of God, you received a gift. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. He speaks into your heart and he speaks into your life and he shows you truth. How many times have you heard this? Uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to recall to your story. When you, when you took your faith seriously, when you decided to pursue God and you read the scripture, it was like you read an entirely different book. It was completely different than you had ever heard before. It was like the whole world had changed. When I decided to follow Christ, it was like my whole world was set on fire and I was five years old. But the whole world changed. My whole world changed. Even in that young age. What a gift it is to have the Holy Spirit in our lives, my friends. Don't forget it. He's there. The Spirit of God is our parakletos. And that Greek word insinuates several different things. And we can't really translate it into one word, so we call it the Holy Spirit. That means the one who goes alongside our comforter, our helper, our supporter, our advocate. Those all mean different aspects of the same word. And they all apply. What a gift it is to have that comforter. The one who goes along beside the advocate. Our hope. Remember what the Spirit has called you to. He's called you to a purpose. And I don't have to remind you again, but I will. God has called you to your purpose. He hasn't called you to my purpose. He hasn't called me to your purpose. You. There are many things that each individual in this room can do that I will never in my entire lifetime be able to do. There are people in this room that can reach people that I can't even talk to. They would, they just wouldn't talk to me. And that's okay. God has called me to specific people. God has called you to specific people. And you know who they are. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're saved, you know who God's called you to. It's just a matter of doing it. So my friends... Wage the good warfare against the enemy. And the best way, the number one way to fight the enemy. Can anybody guess? I've talked about it. I've beat around the bush all morning. Can anybody tell me the answer? How do we fight this enemy? The scripture and prayer. There's another thing I'm looking for. Faith. Put our faith in the scripture and prayer. That's good. 
put our faith in Christ. When Christ left this world, he left us one command. What is it? Make disciples. One of the number one jobs as being a part of the army of God is to enlist other members. See, the bigger the army, the easier the fight. My goal in life is to be a recruiter for the army of God. While maintaining that fighting. You see we've waged our warfare against the enemy. And I'm a firm believer that what Paul is saying here. When he's saying wage a good warfare. Is not rejecting the faith. As some have done. What does it mean to reject the faith? To suffer shipwreck. To neglect the call that God has placed on your life. What a devastating thing. Paul encourages Timothy, secondly, to learn from where others have failed. And he calls these people out by name to Timothy to remind him, don't be like Hymenaeus and Alexander. They started out strong, but they failed because they left the faith. They quit fighting. My friends, in the army of the Lord, we are tasked with one job. One. We must keep the faith. And we must share the faith. And those go hand in hand. If you're sharing the faith, you have to keep the faith. If you're sharing the faith, you will have questions that need to be answered, which will make you pursue our God deeper. You see, God designed this in a perfect way. What's the best method of learning? Can anybody tell me that? What's the best method of learning? Aaron's experiencing this right now. Doing it. Teaching. If you want to learn something, and I did this many times in my tests for class, I taught. I taught myself. I wrote on the whiteboard. And if you want a really good study method, go to one of those classrooms, if you can, particularly the one where you are taking the test in, 
And uh, this worked for me so many times. I wrote all the answers on the board to all the questions that were potentially going to be on the test if the professor was nice enough to give us a study guide. And I'd sit there in my typical desk, and I would recite them. I'd just keep on going, just go on, recite them, and teach myself. The best way to learn is to teach. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, if you'd like to learn more about God, teach somebody about him. Because when you're talking to somebody and you're teaching somebody about God, they're going to have questions that you didn't think of. And there have been several times in my life where somebody had a question that almost wrecked my faith. And if I had not kept the faith, if I had not kept on pursuing my God, if I had not continued to be filled with the Spirit and, their, and not their lies, the lies of the enemy, I would have been shipwrecked. In other words, I would have had a terrible time. God allows you to question things in your life for a good reason. Don't run from the questions. Embrace them. Don't run from them. As the youngest child in my family, I have reached perfection. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was waiting on Dad to react there. But you know the greatest gift about being the youngest child? Miss Ruby, you know this. What's the best thing about being the youngest child? You get to watch all your older siblings mess up so you don't do it. I watched my brothers get whipped. I'm telling you, they got the fire beat out of them. And I said, I ain't going to get caught. <laughs> What'd you do that for? You got caught. Now, there were plenty of times where I got caught. I'm telling you, that was not fun. I learned from my brother's mistakes. Paul encourages Timothy here to learn from the mistakes of Hymenaeus and Alexander. That's why he named them. Timothy, look at what they did. Look what they did wrong. Don't fall in the same landmines as they did. I'm going to say something that might be above your heads. It was a little bit above my head, so don't worry. I will explain it. If it makes sense to you, then you guys are smarter than I am. So, so if it makes sense to you, you just give me a thumbs up. If it doesn't make sense to you, give me a thumbs down. Archbishop Waitley. Does anybody know who that is? Archbishop Waitley, he said, If one's religion better not his morals, his moral deficiencies will corrupt his religion. 
The rain which falls pure from heaven will not continue pure if it be received in an unclean vessel. I'll read that one more time. If one's religion better not his morals, his moral deficiencies will corrupt his religion. The rain which falls pure from heaven will not continue pure if it be received in an unclean vessel. All right, I got one thumbs down. Does that mean everybody else don't even know what I said? Okay, okay. Where are you going? Asher, go to your papa. There's that, there's that fit we were talking about this morning. That was a little bit more reserved than he usually is. How many of us do that with the Lord? God tells us to do something, we're like, no. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, and he experiences the wrath of his daddy if he ain't careful. But we won't talk about that too much. What this means We'll, t- we'll take this one phrase at a time. How about that? If one's religion better not his morals, his moral deficiencies will corrupt his religion. If your faith does not encourage you to do better, in, order, in other words, if the Spirit of God is not pouring into your life, the dirt will take over. Paul was encouraging Timothy here to not let people discourage your faith. When you stand up in a pulpit or when you stand up in your workplace or when you stand up in your life and you stand for God, there will be people who oppose you. 100%. It is inescapable. You will face opposition. And if you allow those people's judgments to define you, to cloud your moral judgment, instead of the Holy Spirit creating a better moral judgment, that will corrupt your life, your religion, your faith. Do not allow other people to turn you into a not-so-good person because of the way they act. In other words, don't let other people's actions influence you to disobey the Spirit of God. If you're the only one obeying, then good. At least there's somebody that's doing what God asked them to do. Stand up for what's right, even if you're the only one standing that's right, Marlette. Stand up. 
Paul is telling Timothy here, and Archbishop Waitley is saying that's this is what he believes that Paul is saying, is that if you are not gaining knowledge and a better morals through your faith, through your religion, then your religion is vain. In other words, if you're not being sanctified, you might need to question whether the Spirit's in your life at all. I hope that we can all look back and see that God is continually growing me. He's changing me. He's building me. And He's shaping me into the person that He wants me to be. This is not who other people want me to be. This is not who I want me to be. This is who God wants me to be. Allow Him to do that. Allow your religion, our faith in God, to do that. Or else, your life will shape what you believe. If you don't allow God to shape what you believe, other people will shape what you believe. And you run at risk of disobeying God. Get your teaching from God, not from men. And I know I'm over. I'm trying to wrap it up real quick. The second part. The rain which falls pure from heaven will not continue pure if it be received from an unclean vessel. We had the exact analogy right there. When you have dirt and junk that people have poured into your life and then the Spirit of God begins filling your life, at first it's messy. It's dirty. It doesn't look clean. But a continual pouring of the Spirit of good things, of righteous things, of pure water, flowing into your life, feeding into you, eventually the dirt will have to go somewhere and it's out of your life. And then you can offer to other people that spirit that's filled your life. In order to be filled and cleaned up, you have to have an outflowing of the Spirit of God. In order for that cup to be filled and clean, it had to pour out. What would happen if we just filled that cup up to the brim and left it there? It, the dirt would not leave. It would not be purified. Sometimes what it takes is you got to get it out there. And sometimes when you get it out there, you realize that was some dirt. I'm sorry, that was wrong. Here's what's right. Because I guarantee you, my friends, when you start teaching, there will be things that you realize, man, I believed a lie my whole life. That was from man. That wasn't from the Spirit of God. There have been so many times where people have asked me questions and, they, and I said, oops, I believed that, but I can't find the Scripture that says that. Or you know, you'll give an answer to somebody's question that you've heard all your life and then they ask you where it's found in the Bible and you start trying to look at it and you're like, oh, I don't know. I'll get back with you. 
And then you get back with them and you say, actually, I can't find that, so I'm sorry. How about the phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness? Anybody ever tried to find that in the Bible? Anybody ever tried to find the lion with the lamb? That one's a little bit more prominent. There's no lion with the lamb passage in the scripture. Did you know that? The lion will lay down with the lamb. We say that all the time. That's not anywhere in the Bible. It's a wolf lying down with the lamb. Where in the world did we get a lion? A lion of Judah? If you simply take what man says and you don't receive what the Spirit of God says himself to you, The basis for your faith can be dirty. Now, I'm not saying I'm a false teacher and you shouldn't trust anything I say, but what I am saying is you should double-check anything that I say. I am doing the best of my ability to teach what God has called me to teach. And I'm doing the best of my ability to be empty of any selfish ambition as I stand here and I preach to you guys but here's the thing. The Spirit of God in your life must be your life. He will speak to you in a way that He doesn't necessarily speak to me. Because He loves you as a person. And He speaks to you as a person, not just me. How do we wage war? How do we wage a good warfare? Be filled with the Spirit. Pour it out. Like how Dorothy defeated the wicked witch of the West. She poured the pure water on it, on her. We need to allow the Spirit to pour out of our lives out of our hearts onto everything in our life. And the Spirit of God will cast out things that don't need to be there. The Spirit of God will convict you of things that you need to cast out of your life. The Spirit of God will cleanse the things that you've had a wrong idea of in your life. The Spirit of God will reveal truth in your life. Are you getting the basis of this message this morning? Read your word, Baylor. It'll save your life. The word of God is our sword. Wednesday night, we got to talk a little bit briefly about the armor of God. However, Christians should be going on the battlefield with their armor on. And part of waging a good warfare is having your armor on. We talked about the, uh, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The only way that we can wage a good warfare against the enemy is to wield the sword of God, to fight 
the good fight with God's word. David said it so, so many years ago. Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. If you want to get the sin out of your life, hide God's word in your heart. Memorize it. If you don't memorize things well, that's all right. Read it every day. If you commit in your entire lifetime one verse to your memory, that'll be good. At least you had one weapon, one bullet in your arsenal. Because, my friends, we cannot fight without this word. We cannot fight. We will be beaten down without the Word of God. You want to feel defeated? Don't read your Bible. You want life to get you down and continually be on top of you? Don't read your Bible. If you want the Spirit of God to have power over your life and what you do to speak to you and tell you what to do, Read your Bible. And I went over, but I've said what the Lord's laid on my heart. Wage a good warfare, my friends. As we have this song of invitation, as she comes to sing, I want to invite you to do so. I'm sure there are... People in this room who are not fighting. I'm sure there are people in this room who are weary from fighting. I encourage you to start fighting. Fight the good fight. Wage a good warfare. Spirit of God was there for you. He's there for you. Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection give us strength to do so, to fight the good fight. The battle is going to be won, and God is on the throne. Our King will win. Will you fight on his team or will you help the enemy? Those are the only options we have. Will you fight for him or will you help the enemy? Wage warfare against him. The devil. Wage warfare against the devil. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I just wanted to hop on here and talk to you guys real quick. I know it was a long message, but I just want to thank you for your faithful support. And uh, if you're not supporting us, if you're new, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast because I post regular content. Uh, Usually it's just sermons, but uh, I'm working on some other platforms such as interviews, etc. But um, just uh, we would really appreciate your support and prayer more than anything else. We need your prayer. 
We're uh, we're a small church. We're trying to grow. We're trying to grow in the knowledge and the, of the truth. And I hope that you would be willing to join us if you are um, are a faithful listener and you live in the Springfield area. We would love to get in touch with you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, reach out to us on any of our platforms. Um, and I'll have a closing message that I'll tag at the end of this to uh, give you our phone number. Um, that number, currently, you are not able to text it. If you have texted that number, I'm very sorry. We did not receive it. I don't know why. It's uh, probably some kind of technical issue. Um, we're working to resolve that situation because we're paying for both um, for that number. Um, however, I would um, recommend that you, if you want to get in touch with us through that church number, call that number. And uh, I can give you my personal number if you want. And we can text back and forth that way. Or just message us on Facebook or on here. We would love to get to know you. We'd love to talk. Maybe treat you to lunch sometime. Just uh, we appreciate your faithfulness. Thank you very much. You have a great day. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West, in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427.